The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, Whether you were outside, hanging out with people, doing whatever it is you do, I hope you had a great weekend here in the Auburn Opelika area. It's a hot one, sunny, but partly cloudy at the same time, so not too bad. But again, hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon here on July 25th. 2022 we are inching closer and closer to the month of august which means school is right around the corner which also means football season is right around the corner and that means high school and college so really excited uh, for the football season to be getting underway in just a few weeks I'm sure some of you are not quite ready for school to be back in hey maybe you are ready for school to be back in uh, but we are just oh so close to that we're literally just a few weeks away it's crazy Uh, I am actually graduating from Auburn University in two weeks so not this coming weekend but the next weekend I'm graduating, and I totally forgot. I'm going to be honest. I've been so busy uh, taking – I have a couple of classes I'm wrapping up and then so busy with work and everything. My mother was the one that reminded me. She said, hey, I'm coming down next week for your graduation. I said, wait, that's next weekend? It's crazy. Time is flying by this summer. It has come and gone oh so quickly. But really excited to graduate a couple weekends from now and school will be starting back up but that means football season is right around the corner we are 40 days away from September 3rd when Auburn takes the field for the first time in this 2022 season 40 days away folks we are getting there I'm telling you and football starts even sooner than that the NFL preseason starts like halfway through August. I know preseason NFL football is not super exciting around here, uh, but that gets going underway in just a couple of weeks. And then there's some games in week zero. I think Vanderbilt plays in week zero. And then there's a couple of games on that Thursday night before the Saturday when everybody else gets going. So there's so much about to be happening. High school football gets underway in just a couple of weeks. I know Lee Scott Academy Our first game is on the 18th. So high school season right around the corner. That's a Thursday night. Everybody else I'm sure will be playing on that Friday night. But high school football right around the corner as well. So in fall camp is a couple of weeks away. Auburn announced at SEC Media Days last week when their fall camp will be. That'll start August 4th. So it's all coming up so fast, folks. I cannot wait. We're going to have so much to talk about here on On the Line. We're going to cover everything, right? We're going to cover NFL, college, high school school if it's football we are going to talk about it uh going on this fall and into the winter so really really excited for that and just hang on folks we are so close to the football season 
But we are officially underway here in hour number one on the Monday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Let me hear from you. What is on your mind? Call in. Be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world? Anything you want to call in, talk to me about? I would love to hear from you. You can call in and be on the line. 334-321-1390. Well, here in hour number one, we're going to talk about some Auburn football and the expectations and why they are all over the place. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. I'm going to play my interview with Roger McCreary, former Auburn cornerback and now an NFL cornerback. After signing his deal with the Tennessee Titans, I sat down with him at SEC Media Days last week uh, to talk about Bushage Baked Beans and so much other stuff about Auburn football, his future in the NFL and all of that. So I'm going to play that audio in a little bit as well. In hour number two, we're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network like we do every single Monday here in the studio. Uh, We're going to talk to him in hour number two, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. So a great show on tap for you today. Sit back, relax. Hope you enjoy it. We've got a lot to get into. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Well, like I said, the expectations for Auburn football. We've had this conversation before. We've talked about what you want to expect and what you do expect from Auburn football uh, coming up this fall in 40 days and then beyond. But what was really on my mind today is why the expectations for Auburn across the board, right? That's across the fan base, uh, other college football fans, local media, national media, Whoever it may be, the expectations for Auburn football this upcoming 2022 season, they are all over the place, right? There are people, and let me go ahead and say this, before we get into this, as of right now, I'm not saying anybody's right, I'm not saying anybody's wrong, because the season hasn't started yet, and so technically you can't be right or wrong. But you look at the expectations and the numbers for Auburn football this year, and specifically the win totals and the placement within the SEC, where Auburn will end up at the end of the season. And when you start looking around at that, it's a very, very, very wide range. I think it's the widest range out of all of the SEC teams because people truly don't know, myself included, We don't know what Auburn is going to look like this year. We don't know what Auburn's going to do this year. Can Auburn win football games this year? We're going to find out. But that's why the expectations and the predictions are all over the place. We've seen people predict as little as three to four wins for Auburn this year. We've also seen people predict nine to ten wins this year for Auburn football and a lot of in-between. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The schedule is one of them. You look at Auburn's schedule, and it's ranked as one of the hardest in the country. right? You play out-of-conference Penn State. That's a big-time out-of-conference opponent. Your two biggest in-conference rivals, in-conference opponents, you play on the road with Alabama and Georgia. You also have to play a very improved Arkansas team who is predicted to be a top 15 team, at least top 25. You also have to play Texas A&M, who is predicted to be a top 10, possibly top 5 team this season. 
You also have to go and play the Mississippi schools on the road. Now, no, they're not the best thing you've ever seen, but those are tough road games, especially with Ole Miss, who's expected to be pretty darn good this year. And you also have to play LSU. You do get them at home, but that's still a tough game every year. They're going to play you tough. And I think they're going to be better than what a lot of people realize. And so that's one of the reasons that the predictions are all over the place right now for Auburn. You look at the schedule. It's hard. It's a tough schedule. But as I've said, as Auburn fans and Auburn media, we look at this schedule and say it's actually not that bad. This is a doable schedule for Auburn, and I think it is. But that's a big-time reason of why predictions and expectations for Auburn, they just vary so much. The question marks at some of the key positions. That's another big reason, right? What are the wide receivers going to do? What are they going to look like? Can they get open and catch the football? That's a big question right now. I don't think it's as big of a question as some people like to make it, but who's going to be the starting quarterback? It still has not been called, right? That is a still, technically, it's still a quarterback battle. Now, I don't think it is much of a battle. I think there is one guy who is going to be the starter and everybody else will be left in the dust. But that's a big time reason for people to still be worried about Auburn. And, and rightfully so. If you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, how can you really truly predict what a team is going to do? It's not like Auburn has a Bryce Young coming off a Heisman winning season who will no doubt be your starting quarterback. Auburn doesn't have that right now. And so that is a question mark in one of the position rooms. What is the offensive line going to look like? Right? This is the year they are supposed to be good. This is the year they are supposed to put it all together. They're all old. They all have experience. There's no excuse anymore. But that's been a liability over the years. Can the offensive line do what they need to do to break and make holes for two of the best running backs in the SEC with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter? Can the offensive line not be a liability anymore for Auburn? What about the safeties? What about the secondary? Is that going to be something that Auburn has to worry about on the defensive side? So that's a huge factor is the question marks in the position groups, in the different rooms of these positions for Auburn football. That's why I think a lot of people are worried about can Auburn even get to six wins this season? That's why people are worried about the the talent on this team. That kind of goes along with that. Is there enough talent on this team for Auburn to be successful this season? I think that's a huge question mark for a lot of people. Not me, but for a lot of people. And that's why you see some of the of these picks that say Auburn's going four and eight. And I just don't believe that. But that's okay. You're allowed to think that way. That's totally fine. That's why you see predictions of three, four, five wins. And there's a lot of them, folks. There's a lot of people that, and you may be one of them. And you might be one of them. And you may truly believe that, and that is totally fine. Right? And you may be thinking a lot of the things I just said, those may be the exact reasons why you think that way. And that's totally fine. And you know what? It could very easily happen. That's the scary part. It very easily could happen. Auburn go out and only win four or five games this year. It wouldn't surprise me as much as you think it would. I would be surprised. But at the, at the same time, I would be like, yeah, 
I, I could see that. I get it. Especially if the games go like the season ended last year. If the games this year go that way, then yeah, absolutely. You would understand it. And then Brian Hartson would probably lose his job. But also, some other things and reasons why you see predictions of three to four wins versus nine to ten wins. Because I've seen them all. And I'm sure you have as well. There's predictions everywhere that go from three wins to ten wins. I think a big reason is a question mark around Brian Harson. Can he coach? Can he win? That's the big question right now when it comes to the fans, the media. How about recruits? They're asking the same question. You worry about Auburn's recruiting class right now. You want to know why? The recruits have one question. Can he win? If he can win, they're going to commit. But we're all just kind of sitting back and waiting, and we're watching to see what happens. And that's why some people are, are scared to pick Auburn, to do anything. That's why Auburn got picked seventh to finish in the West at SEC Media Days last week. The media picked Auburn to finish seventh, last place in the SEC West. And I think a big reason is Brian Harson. They don't know if he can win. And really, we don't know if he can win in the SEC yet. We don't know that yet. Auburn got off to a hot start last year at 6-2, and two, and everybody was, was really excited and thought, okay, this is going well. Then the season ended on a five-game losing streak, and everybody wanted to rip his head off. But now coming into year two, how does he respond? What is this team going to look like compared to last year? Right? What are the changes that Harson's making? Are they going to work? Those are all major reasons that you're seeing so many different outcomes of what could be at the end of this Auburn football season. And so I ask this question. Did SEC Media Days last week, did that help this situation or did it hurt this situation? Did Media Days, after Harson and the players took the podium and, and took on the day, did it help the situation of people having questions about Auburn and worrying about the future of Auburn? I don't think so. Obviously, look in the eyes of the media. They have no faith in Auburn. None whatsoever. The media has no faith in Auburn to do anything this season. Most of the media, not all, because I was a part of that, and I don't think that one bit, but a consensus of the media at Media Days last week, they think Auburn is going to crash and burn, finish last place in the West, Harson will be fired, and Auburn will be back at square one. That's what the majority of them think. That's national media, Auburn media, SEC media, whoever it is. The consensus, most of them, that's what they think. They think Auburn is going to win four, five games, maybe. Lose the majority of their SEC games. Not make a bowl game. And not be a threat to anybody. That's what the outside thinks right now. But it's crazy to me of how some people think it's going to be so good. And others think it's going to be so bad. And there's so many that are right in between. I, I can't remember a season or coming into the season where it was this bad of, I think Auburn could go nine to 10 wins, or I think Auburn could do three or four wins, or right in between. It, there's just so many different opinions about it, right? 
with, and this is a different situation, but look at across the other teams around the SEC. You can pick a team right now in the Southeastern Conference besides Auburn, and you could put a, you could put a, a win total on them. And most people will agree. Yeah, give or take one or two games, but not this much. I've never seen, I mean, this Auburn this year has to be the biggest question mark I've ever seen when it comes to trying to predict what is going to happen. And nobody is super, super, I don't want to say super confident. I'm confident in my pick, but there's so many others that would say that I'm wrong. And I would say there's a lot of other people that were wrong, right? It's just crazy how all over the place this is. And so media days didn't help that at all. Because obviously the media picked Auburn to finish seventh. But I think the biggest question mark is can Brian Harson win football games? Is there enough talent on this football team? Can Auburn beat their schedule? Because they have it harder than anybody else in the country. Nobody else plays the teams like Auburn does. And so all of those things get stacked against them. That is why... There's no confidence or trust in what Auburn does this season because nobody truly knows. We know Alabama's going to win nine or ten games. We know Georgia is going to win eight, nine, ten games. We know A&M's going to win eight or nine games. We know that LSU, they're going to be decent. We know that Vanderbilt, they're not going to win very many games. We know Kentucky is going to be competing for the SEC East. Those are things we know. But with Auburn... Nobody's got a clue. And I mean nobody has a clue. Hey, we're off and running here in hour number one on the Monday edition of On the Line. What do you think about all this? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day coming up after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. A question of the day for you is this. We know how good Tank Bigsby is at the running back position. And we know that Tank will be the best running back in the SEC, in my opinion. But can Tank Bigsby be the best running back in college football this upcoming 2022 season? Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again. 334-321-1390. Question of the day. Can Tank Bigsby be the best college football running back in 2022? That's the question of the day. I don't think he is right now. right? I think there's some guys coming back that are really, really good. Okay, there's some talent around college football. And there's a lot of people that would debate that Tank Bigsby may not even be the best running back in the SEC. But I think he can get to those spots. Is he the best right now? No, he's up there. Okay, don't get me wrong. He's up there. But by the end of the season, can Tank Bigsby be the best running back in college football? A lot of people would say no just because of the, of the talent that is around the country. And I, I was looking at some rankings today around some different sites, and the one that caught my eye was Sports Illustrated. 
and they had their college football running back rankings for the upcoming 2022 season. They wrote it a few weeks ago, and they have Tank at the 10th spot in the country, the 10th best running back in the country. That's behind a couple of other SEC running backs, Zach Evans at Ole Miss. We've seen him uh, very, very lightly. He has 92 rush attempts, 648 yards, and five touchdowns. But he was at TCU, and now he's coming into the SEC to play for Ole Miss. So that's an SEC running back that they have Tank Bigsby behind. They also have they have an A&M running back, and they have an Alabama running back on here as well. So according to Sports Illustrated, Tank Bigsby is only the fourth best running back in his own league. But I think he's the best back in the SEC. Can he get to be the best back in the nation? That's the question to you. What do you think? Is he the best running back in the SEC? Or is, can he be the best running back in the country as it stands right now and by the end of the season? Because I think you can look at that in different ways. Where does he stand right now? And does he have the potential to get higher and get better as the season goes on and by the end of the season? That's the question to you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. You can call in, answer that, talk about anything else you want to sports-related here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I think he can absolutely become the best running back in college football. There's no doubt about it. What will hurt him to be that, though, and, and get that, that title, right, what will hurt him is having somebody who is so good play behind him and Jarquez Hunter. That guy can play, right? We know how good this running back duo is, and we know that they will both get used quite often during games this season for Auburn. We know that Brian Harson and this offensive staff they are going to use both running backs to their best ability. Tank is not going to be a one-man show, and I think that will probably hurt him in becoming that quote-unquote best running back in college football. If it was just him on the roster, right? if he was the primary running back for Auburn and every time Auburn decided to hand the football off, it was Tank Bigsby 100% of the time, maybe. Right, he might be able to get there. There's obviously there are backfires on that and injury and long term success of that, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I'm just saying if he was the the sole star running back on the roster, that would be that would benefit him to becoming the best running back in college football. But he has somebody who is a fantastic talent right behind him who's going to be sharing a lot of the carries this season. So that will hold Tank back a little bit. And let me just say this too. I don't think that's a goal of Tanks. I don't think that's on his mind of, I've got to be the best running back in college football. That's my only goal this year. I don't think that's the case at all. And let me tell you why. I heard him talk last week on Thursday at Media Days, and he talked about the team and the running back room success and the offense and what it's going to take to be the best offense and be the best team in college football. And I also think that Brian Harson and this coaching staff, they probably don't let the players think that way of, I'm a one-man show, I have to be the best. I don't think they let them think that way. I think it's a, let's see if we can be the best team in college football. And so that will, it will hold them back, I guess, but in a good way, right? 
But can Tank Bigsby be the best running back in college football? Absolutely. Will he be considered the best running back in college football? Probably not, but he will definitely be up there. When they make a top five at the end of the season, you can bet that Tank Bigsby will be on that top five list at the end of the year. Will it be by total yards? Maybe not. Will it be by total touchdowns? Maybe not. But when you look at impact and who has the most impact on their team and their game and on their Saturday, Tank Bigsby will be up there as one of the best running backs in college football. I think he'll be the best back in the SEC. I don't think it'll be close. I just think he's too good. And they are saying that he has gotten even better since last year. And we saw what he did. I think the offensive line will be better. It's not going to be great, but it'll be better. And they are saying that Tank Bigsby, as good as he was last year, he's only gotten better in the offseason coming into this 2022 season. How scary is that for college football in the SEC? I absolutely think Tank Bigsby can be the best running back in college football. Whether he becomes that, that's up for him to decide. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. My interview with Roger McCreary coming up. You are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Well, Roger McCreary, who played cornerback for Auburn, he was drafted into the NFL this past season. Second round, third pick overall in that second round. He was drafted to the Tennessee Titans, and over the weekend, he was able to sign his contract. He is officially a Tennessee Titan. He will be playing corner in the NFL. So big congratulations to him. He signed a four-year deal worth $9 million dollars. Uh, What a fantastic opportunity for him. Very, very happy that he was able to get drafted and get signed and now is officially a member of the Tennessee Titans in the NFL. He was a 35th overall pick, $9 million for a four-year deal. Uh, He's 5'11", 190 pounds, and this article that I'm reading right now says he is expected to compete with 2021 first-round pick Caleb Farley for a starting spot uh, at the corner position for the Tennessee Titans. So good for him. What a big-time opportunity to be drafted and signed and playing in the NFL. I expect him to do well. Yeah, he's 5'11", 190 pounds. I'm sure he'll put on a little bit of weight, but he's I mean, he's a great player and has so much potential to playing on Sundays. So big congratulations to him. I had the chance to have him live on the show at SEC Media Days last week. We sat down and talked about quite a bit of stuff with Auburn, his playing days for the Tigers, what he expects to see from Auburn, his expectations for the NFL and his draft process a little bit. And of course, we talked about Bush's Baked Beans quite a bit. That is his new sponsor. That's who set the interview up. So big thank you to them. Uh, But here is my interview with Roger McCreary, former Auburn cornerback and now officially an NFL cornerback my conversation with him at SEC Media Days. Former Auburn cornerback and now NFL cornerback Roger McCreary here live on the show 
Thank you so much for stopping by, man. What an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you are here representing Bush's Baked Beans, and that is your sponsorship. You've got the shirt going on. You <laughs> surprised me with a gift. You, I have my own personalized Bush's Baked Beans can with my name on it. That is pretty cool. Not too many people can say that. I was not expecting that at all. But let me ask you this. How does a guy get involved and sponsored with Bush's Baked Beans? How does that even happen? Um, it's just because the love for it. Um, I really yeah. love, I really love baked beans. I'm, I'm just excited just to have this deal with them. Just growing up as a kid, it was, I just, I used to love eating beans a lot. <laughs> and then no matter what, a full plate, yeah. two full plates. I used to put sugar in it, ground beef in sugar. it. Sugar. Sugar, wow. yeah. Ground beef in it, but like, I, I really like to stay away from the sugar sometimes away. But like, I, I can put ground beef in it, connect sashi. Like, it's so many ways you can eat with beans. That's the reason why I love it so much. And like, I'm here to represent them. I'm excited to announce their new partnership the beans at the SEC, so I'm really excited. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. That was announced this week that Bushes is the like a main sponsor now for the mm-hmm. SEC. What does that mean for you and the company as a whole? I feel like it's just great. I feel like this new chapter for for Bush Beans and everybody. It's just new, exciting, just to show the world that Bushes like beans is really good. Like y'all should try it out no matter what. So like it, I'm just really excited just for the new partnership and just to deal with them because it's like a childhood dream, really, and not a lot of people know. But I love beans. I'm happy I got to deal with beans now. So I'm just really excited. It sounds like a match. Made in heaven, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah that's, that's, that's excellent. Let me ask you this. What is the go-to entree that you're eating Bush's Baked Beans with? Is it like a barbecue sandwich? What What is it? Macaroni and ribs. Yeah, really? That's, that's the barbecue. Like, yeah. I used to always eat that a lot with my family, family barbecue, macaroni and ribs, barbecue. That, that, that's the best ever. Yeah, that's wow. That's the best tradition. Yeah, I think, I think when I think of, you know, Bush's Baked Beans, I'm eating like a pulled pork sandwich yeah, with, you know, too. like some fried okra or something on the side and some baked beans. Absolutely. <laughs> We're talking to Roger McCreary here, former Auburn, uh, of course, former Auburn player and now in the NFL, partnered with Bush's Baked Beans. Let's talk about you for a little bit in your Auburn career. You had some great stats and... And, of course, last year, first-team All-American, right? You led the SEC with 14 pass breakups and a career-high 49 tackles. What was last season like for you playing at Auburn? Uh, it was truly amazing. I feel like that was one of the perfect years for me. Like, you know, like I feel like it's the best. I would not, like, regret none of that. I'm just excited, and I, I give all the thanks. Like, without him, none of this would be possible. So I'm just really excited that, that it really ended off that way. I had a successful career. Everything was just great. I was just being me, just playing on the field, just playing with my brothers, trying to win the game, and just being me. And I was just really excited how it ended and I feel like with that and not outcome winning I was I was able I was able to get drafted and everything and I feel like everything was just great how it ended my Auburn career and so what about it playing at Auburn I mean what do you love the most about playing at Auburn it's a special place we know that right we know how special Auburn is Jordan Hare Stadium all of that but for you what was the best part about it playing for Auburn the first thing that caught my eye you said it Jordan Hare when I went on official visit I went to the Georgia game 2017. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. It, that was the best. Like, I went to that. That was, that was turn. So I'm thinking, like, nah, that was – Arbor cannot be like that every game. Then I went to the Bama game. They beat Bama that year. I was like, oh, yeah, I love Jordan Hare. Yeah. Like, just that stadium. And, and finally playing in it and just being there, it, it was just exciting. And, like, the coaches, the players that came in with the guys – that I made a connection with, that I still talk to to this day. Like, it's just that connection there at Auburn. Like, I like I love and cherish everything about it. I'm happy that I chose to go there. Who are some of those players that you've made friendships with at Auburn that you're still talking to and probably will for years to come? Oh, yeah, guys like Zacoba McClain. The guys I really drafted with, Smoke Monday, Zacoba McClain, Self Williams, Jamie Sherwood, just all them guys. Like, we all came in together, and now uh, we finally live in a dream. It, it's just 
it's just amazing like to see how far we came from freshman year to senior year and I'm just excited and I still talk to them I still talk to the guys who still on the team now just Arvin you can always have that communication it's a brotherhood like I still check up on them see how everything's going it's just Arvin that's how it is they call that Arvin man like we all Arvin man Arvin man and Arvin family right the, the family, family is yeah. a real thing people outside you know it's easy to, to to make fun of right you can say oh Auburn family whatever but if you're in it you really do understand it truly is a, a family whether you're on the on the team or if you're coaches or a fan base it truly is an Auburn family and everybody's so connected with Auburn we're talking to Roger McCurry former Auburn cornerback uh, and now in the NFL as a corner you got drafted in the second round third pick in the second round to the Tennessee Titans what was that like for you to be drafted to the NFL um I was overwhelmed I was shocked I'm not gonna lie like it still feel like a dream to actually say like you actually saying that I play for Tennessee Titans it's just like it's a childhood dream. I'm, I'm just so grateful just to even be drafted because not a lot of guys get drafted. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity. And just at the next level, when I went to Nashville, everything was just great. Like, actually being on the team, seeing guys you looked up to, like Derrick Heron, like, that guy is big, by the way. Yes. But, like, just seeing them guys and actually being coached and actually being in the lead now, it's just amazing. And I love everything about it. What did Auburn do for you playing, you know, all of your time at Auburn? What, you know, what did you gain from playing at Auburn that's going to help you, that helped you get drafted, it's going to help you in the pros? I would say, um, like, I learned a lot, you know, with coaching staff, changing all this stuff. I learned from everybody, and I feel like that, that really helped me a lot. I learned from new coaches, learned new techniques and everything. And just, like, playing the SEC, SEC really prepare you for the next level. I feel like I went against a lot of great guys there, and that's what you're going to do in the, in the league. So I'm just happy that, like, Auburn, that it showed the ropes for that, and I'm happy to say, like, I play in SC in our. It's so cool that you're playing for the Tennessee Titans, just, you know, right up the road from Auburn, a few hours in the state one up, right? And what are you looking forward to the most in playing in the NFL, playing for Tennessee in general? What are you looking forward to the most? Um, I'm really looking forward to just getting on the field. Um, I really don't have no goals set out. I'm just trying to go in with a clear mindset with Jays. Start back at level one like I did at Auburn. Like, learn. I know you're gonna, I'm not going to make mistakes and everything. I just learn from it. So I'm just really open. I'm just trying to get on the field and just help out my team in a way. That was the same mindset I had at Auburn, and I'm going to continue that on at the next level. Nothing's going to change me, and that's my mindset, and I'm just really excited. So let me ask you this. Who are some players in the NFL and some teams that you are excited to get the chance to play against? Um, I would say I want to um, – yeah, it's a lot of them. Yeah. Like, like, it's really a lot of them. Um, just, just the teams um, in our comfort, you know. I want to play against Houston. Um, I really want to play against the Bills, too, because Tredavis White is one of my favorite players. Like, I look up to him mm-hmm. and Jair. Just really, like, any team, like, any team I play with, I know somebody on that team, and I'm really going to want to talk to them. Just playing the lead and playing against somebody, I'm just excited just to do that. Yeah, well, congratulations on being drafted to the NFL again. Second round. Pick number three in that second round. What was the draft process like for you? You know, once you finished at Auburn and getting drafted by the Tennessee Titans, what was that process like for you? That was the longest process ever. Like, <laughs> that was the longest. Like, I had to set goals at each one. Like, the first one, the senior bowl, I had to get ready for that. The combine, the um, the combine, the pro day, it, it was all, like, obstacles that I had to get up, like, set for that day. It was just a long process, actually developing yourself, learning or trying to, like, get yourself out there to prove people that you really are the best. And, like, that process, that's I feel like that's when you truly find you as a player. Like, are you really confident in yourself? Like, how do you define yourself as a player and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you telling people that over and over, you're going to, like, get the confidence and understanding of truly yourself. So I feel like that process, it was just great. I really loved everything about it. It was stressful, but I really loved everything about it. I'm happy I experienced it. Did you ever have any doubt? When you in that process that maybe not that you weren't going to get drafted, but you, 
just any doubt in your mind of maybe where you were going to get drafted or if you were capable of doing it? We all know you are, but did you ever have any doubts during that process? Um, no, sir. I, I'm not going to say. Um, I was really confident, especially how I ended my senior season um, without making the first team. And, um, I got All-American, and that was one of my dream controls of being on an All-American board in the Army Indoor. It was just amazing. Just looking at the accomplishment, I had no doubt of myself. I, I knew I was the best. I just wanted to prove everybody wrong with a chip on my shoulder. Because a lot of people were saying negative stuff about me, short arms, oh, this and that. Like, you only play man. I, I want to prove everybody wrong. So that's why my confidence was so high. Because that's all I want to do is just put them wrong. And now you have the opportunity to do that. You got drafted. You're going to play for the Tennessee Titans. We want you to go and prove them wrong and represent Auburn well like we know you will. Let's talk about Auburn this upcoming season. We're at SEC Media Days here live at Radio Row here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. The main stage is right behind us. Brian Harson will take the stage 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. What are you expecting to hear from him here at SEC Media Days tomorrow? Any kind of, of you know, just the way he talks and the message he'll have here at SEC Media Days? On him, like... When he came, he came with a whole different mindset. You know, we were used to Malzahn. And when he came in, he came different. It was all, like, learning the new, like, it was the small details and everything. Everybody be on the same page. So if you're not all in, you're you're not part of the team. Like, you're not there for everybody. Like, you got to be there for your brothers. And it's just that, getting everybody on the same page. And, like, that's the reason why I really liked him. And, I like, the new stuff, like, I seen, like, I talked to the players. Like, they're really doing new stuff. Like, I love to hear when people do new stuff because the air program need a new change and everything. And that's exactly what he's doing. They're doing new they're doing new workouts and all that stuff, and I feel like it's great because he, he sees something different, and I feel like Autumn is on the same page, and I'm excited to see what happened this season. You don't have to talk, I guess, negatively about, you know, past coaching and new coaching, but I guess just the biggest differences between when Gus Malzahn was running the Auburn program and when Brian Harson came in, the differences that you saw in Brian Harson's mindset and vision for the program. Well, yeah, um, I truly liked it, both of the coaches. Um, both of them had, they, like, you know, everybody had a different coaching lifestyle. Right. And I, I truly liked, liked, liked the both of them because you can tell, like, their vision of it and how they want it. It, it was the same result. We're trying to win. So it all, like, everybody had a different styles and stuff. They just like you being coached by a different position coach. And I feel like they heard a different way of being a head coach. So I liked it both for both of them. And I was just excited to be coached by both of them because I get the spirits for being coached by them two different coaches. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot about when Brian Harson came in as, you know, he seems like the very, very strict, hardball type of coach. And accountability is the word that I've heard a lot. Is that something that you can back up? Well, yeah, it's most definitely. He really got accountability, like, that's time when he, he really checked me in front of me a lot. And I uh, like, like that's time, like, I'm a quiet guy. So when it happened, I like, yeah, like, I like that because he, he's really trying to push me and stuff. So that was really the one thing that stood out that he did. And so with this upcoming season, we're talking to Roger McCurry, former Auburn cornerback and now an NFL cornerback with the Tennessee Titans. Let's talk about this season real quick. What do you think is going to happen this season with Auburn football? Of course, last season did not end the way we wanted it to, obviously, but... There's a lot of promising stuff going on in this season. Lots of talent on the team. And like you said, Brian Harson has the right vision. What do you expect to see this upcoming season? I expect them to crush it. Um, like they're, 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 they're playing like they're working out every day no matter what. I have faith in them. I believe they're going to do great. It's just everybody has to be on the same page. And I truly believe that. I speak to the players, the coaches, and they saying that everything's going good. New guys are coming in. Everybody finally get on the same page. So I, I expect like they're, they're going to be great this season. I don't know how the outcome is going to be. But I know it's going to be great, and I know they're going to try their best no matter what. And I'm always be on their side. 
Well, there was a lot of positives to come out of last year. Again, some of the games didn't go our way, but there were a lot of positives, and I think we saw a lot of good change and development in players and the team as a whole coming out of last year. What is something that you saw within the program from last year that's going to benefit them this year? Um, I, I just see how, like, it was guys who, like, from last year, that was some, I'll, I'll admit, that was some guys who were on the same page. It's really all about getting everybody on that same vision that Carl Harson on. So I feel like um, some guys was on it last year. And, like, this year, like, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not truly there, so I really don't know how right. it is going. But, like, just from hearing and talking, like, everybody's, like, truly believing the vision that he's saying. And uh, that's, that's, that sounds great to me. So I feel like it's going to be a good outcome with them. Yeah, I agree, man. I think good things are happening. One more question. I'll let you get out of here. What's the message from Bush's Big Beans that you want to let everybody know about? I know that's why you're here, and I know you're excited about this opportunity to be with Bush's Big Beans. What's the message to everybody about Bush's Big Beans? Um, I just want to let everybody know I'm excited to announce their new partnership for being the beans of the SEC. Down. That's great. Like you said, it's great for the, the, the um, company and everything, and I feel like it's going like, to help extend us and be more like further for everybody to know that Bush Beans is the best. <laughs> like, everybody should eat it. Like You should try So go get your Bush's Big beans i have my own personalized can so i don't think many of you are going to get that i'm excited but roger mccreary former auburn quarterback now an nfl quarterback thank you so much for stopping by i really appreciate it that was my conversation with roger mccreary former auburn cornerback and now an nfl corner last week at sec media days big congratulations to him officially signing the contract pen to paper he will be playing for the tennessee titans he signed a four-year nine million dollar contract uh trying to become the starting corner for the tennessee titans what a great guy class act had a lot of good things to say about auburn and brian harson and what is happening uh with the tigers and what what happened during his time at Auburn that's going to benefit him in the pros I had a fantastic time talking to him and he did I literally have my own personal can of Bush's beans that has my name on it I mean that's as good as it gets I don't know too many people that have that so he was he surprised me with that when he walked up to the table last week but Roger McCreary former Auburn cornerback and now NFL what a a, uh, just a, a great guy great kid I hope he has such a big success in the NFL let's take our final break we'll come back wrap up hour number one we're gonna talk some Atlanta Braves we haven't got to talk about them in a while we'll talk about that when we come back wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of on the line are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika sports leader. Let's talk Atlanta Braves for a little bit. We didn't talk about them last week, obviously being at SEC Media Days, but The Braves, they had their little all-star break, right? Just like everybody else, but they have been back at it on the baseball diamond. And last time we had talked about the Braves, they were coming out of the series loss against the New York Mets and then had their four-game series against the Washington Nationals. They took care of business. They win three out of four. I think we were able to talk about that before heading to media days. And look, the Braves took care of business. They win three out of four against the Nationals, who are not that good of a baseball team right now. They are struggling uh, in their division. But Braves win five to four, eight to four, six to three, and then they lose the finale seven to three. And then the very next series, the Braves are able to to win yet again another series. They took on the the Angels in Atlanta. They win the first game eight to one. That was on Friday night. Saturday they win seven to two, and yesterday they lose the series finale nine to one. 
But again, it's another series win for the Atlanta Braves. And when you look up and down the schedule this month of July, the Braves have won all but one of their series. They have only lost one series so far this month, and they have two more to go. They start tonight with a three-game series at Philadelphia. They'll take on the Phillies tonight, tomorrow, and on Wednesday, and then they will wrap up the month of July with the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks right back in Atlanta Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so when you're looking at the schedule, the Braves have a great chance to win both of those series and finish the month of July on a, on a great note. I mean, you look at the Phillies right now, their record, they're 49 and 46, so they are above 500. It's a tough series on the road, but it's nothing that Atlanta can't do. And then you wrap up the, uh, the month with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are 42 and 53, so a losing record, not a fantastic baseball team. But the Braves have done exactly what I said they needed to do play consistent baseball. When you look up and down the month of July, you know what the Braves have not done? They have not lost back-to-back games all month long. Now, they are coming off a loss. Could that be tonight? I hope not. Let's knock on wood for the Atlanta Braves. But so far this month, they have not lost back-to-back games, and they've only lost one series. And it was against the New York Mets, and they didn't get swept. They only won, you know, they lost two out of three, but it was to the New York Mets, who are still ahead in the division. They sit at 59 and 37, and the Braves sit at 58 and 39. And so the Braves are on them right now. I mean, it is very, very close. It's not that much of a lead anymore. Remember, the Braves are able to close a nine-game lead on the New York Mets, and they are one and a half games back coming to the end of July. The Braves are in a great spot, folks, a fantastic spot with some easier games and easier series coming up on the schedule. And after, you know, after these two series in July, you start looking ahead into August. It's a tough stretch for the Braves. They start out with two games against the Phillies. Then they have five straight against the New York Mets at the Mets. So in New York, those are going to be tough, tough games. You have to come, or excuse me, you play five games at the New York Mets, two games at the Boston Red Sox, four games at the Miami Marlins, and then you come home and play the Mets, the Astros. I mean, good Lord, that is some tough baseball. So if you're the Braves, like I said at the beginning of the month, pick up the wins where you can get them. Take advantage of easier opponents. That's exactly what the Atlanta Braves have done. They better gear up and get ready because the month of August, we're going to find out exactly where this Atlanta Braves baseball team is as they head closer to the postseason. That's it. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two is coming up. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well here on this Monday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hey, if you missed any of hour number one, make sure you go back and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast after the show. I will go and cut out the commercials and upload it. You can go and find that wherever you get your podcast. Again, commercial free. So make sure you go and listen to that. If you missed any of hour number one or any of my previous shows or any part of any show, you can go back and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open here in hour number two. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in. Be on the line. I would love for you to be a part of the show. Anything on your mind in the sports world that you want to call in, talk about, if you have a question, comment, concern, anything on your mind in the sports world, give me a call. 334-321-1390. That number again. 334-321-1390. Well, let's start hour number two like we always do with making headlines here on Monday, July 25th, 2022. The biggest headline that we've been covering every day here on the show. We are 40 days away from the college football season for Auburn kicking off. That's right, 40 days away from September 3rd. It's crazy that we're that close already. It seems like just yesterday we were at the 75-day mark, right? It seems like just a couple of days we were at the 100-day mark, celebrating 100 days until kickoff. It is coming up so fast, and uh, I'm very, very excited. With SEC Media Days last week, the unofficial kickoff to college football, It really does feel like it's right around the corner. We're nearing the end of July. School's right around the corner. High school football's right around the corner. And then ultimately, college football is right there around the corner. We are 40 days away from Auburn football kicking off this 2022 season. Well, SEC Media Days was last week, and of course, we had all of the coverage. It was a fantastic week over in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. If you missed any of the shows uh, of On the Line or The Drive, the show that's after me here on ESPN 106.7, make sure you go and find the podcast versions of those. We had so many great guests and audio and just so much good coverage over from SEC Media Day. So if you missed any of that, make sure you go and find On the Line and The Drive podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. You can go and, and find them there as well. Just so much great coverage and guests, uh, again, guests, audio, so much good coverage from SEC Media Days. Make sure you go and, and listen to that if you missed any of that. Uh, just It was a fantastic week, lots of fun, lots of work, but overall, just a, a great, great week. But SEC Media Days, we talked about it on Friday, wrapping up the week, and I really think that Auburn and Brian Harson won SEC Media Days. I really do think he had the best, Brian Harson that is, had the best day out of all the coaches at the main stage. I think he had the best day in the other side rooms, and I think he was able to come out and set the tone and really control what was asked of him and how he was able to answer and the questions he was answering. 
and he had a lot of questions about the upcoming season rather than the disastrous offseason. He was able to get questions about the guys on this year's team versus having to answer a lot of recruiting questions and why recruiting is not where a lot of people want it to be right now. But he didn't have to answer a ton of those questions. He was able to talk about the changes that he's implementing in this program, the players on this team, the players that he brought to SEC Media Days, and I think that was really, really important for Brian Harson to be able to answer those types of questions last week on Thursday rather than having to answer all of the nonsense about what happened in the offseason and having to explain why Auburn is not getting recruits. But that's going to change, I have a feeling, But he didn't have to answer any of those questions and deal with the stuff that he had to deal with in his first year at SEC Media Days where he was just bombarded with COVID vaccine questions, right? You remember that and how that went down in his first attempt at SEC Media Days. So I think Brian Harson had a great day. I think he won. I think a lot of other coaches had really, really good appearances. And I talked about this on Friday. I cannot think of a single coach that when they stepped off the main stage – We were like, wow, that didn't go so well. There's not a single coach that I can think of. The best one I could come up with was Mike Leach. And I do say that with a question mark at the end, like Mike Leach, because it wasn't bad. It just wasn't great, right? It's just Mike Leach. He's going to give you, you get what you pay for (laughs) with Mike Leach. And uh, again, he didn't have a bad day and I don't think any of them did, but SEC media days, the players were great. The coaches were great. Uh, All of the other media members were fantastic. And so I hope you enjoyed our coverage. I hope you enjoyed SEC Media Days as a whole. And I hope that it gets you ready for college football because we are so close. We are 40 days away from Auburn, but we're even closer than that from college football in general with week zero and a couple of games during the week leading up to that Saturday for Auburn. And so it is so close. I I just can't even express how close we are to college football. Speaking of SEC media days and college football as we, as we move on here and making headlines, Tank Bigsby from the media last week was voted for first team All-SEC by the media. Of course, we have talked about how Auburn was picked to finish seventh in the West by the media, but a good thing that came out of the voting was that Tank Bigsby was voted first team All-SEC by the media, and I think he absolutely deserves it. I think he'll be the best running back in the SEC with no question about it. He was so good last year, and we know his skill set. We know his talents, and I think everything around him is going to be better this year, and all I keep hearing is that Tank Bigsby has gotten even better than he was last year. He's made improvements in the offseason. He's gotten bigger, faster, stronger, and preparing to be a better version of himself than what he was last year. I don't know how that's physically possible, but that's the word on the street right now is Tank Bigsby is going to be better than he was last year. The expectations will be high, but I don't think all of the offensive expectations will be on him, and I think that's going to help him quite a bit. But Tank Bigsby received uh, votes and was selected as first-team All-SEC by the media last week. I had him on my first-team All-SEC ballot. I think he deserved it. I think he's a fantastic running back, and he absolutely deserved it. Hey, let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Who am I speaking with? You're on the line here on the Monday edition. Yeah, this is Dan. How are you doing? Hey, Dan. How are you, man? Doing pretty good. Sorry, I had my radio up here. Um, 
I was going to tell you, I've actually had a chance to talk to a number of the players, and one recently, um, I don't know if anybody's seen Colby Wooden, but I remember when he came in as a freshman, and, you know, he was a big guy, but he was just, he's kind of skinny and everything. And that guy looks like an NFL player right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, I mean, I mean, he's got muscles coming off of muscles, and I, I would be shocked if he doesn't have a first-team All-SEC type year. I think he absolutely can. And I think a lot of players have gotten him bigger and faster, stronger, just like that. I was talking about Tank, but you're absolutely right about Colby Wooden. I think a lot of them have gotten, I don't want to say in better shape because they're all in pretty good shape because they're playing college football, but I think a lot of them have gotten in bigger and put on more muscle and just better physically uh, attributed because of Brian Harson and a lot of the coaches on the staff. Yeah. I remember in the last few years of uh, Malzahn, you know, a lot of people were complaining and just saying, hey, how come our guys just don't look as big as Alabama, Georgia, and all that? And, and, and like, I'm not saying we're, you know, we obviously are not able to recruit those guys yet, but I think we're getting the guys that we have, like, into great shape and, and getting them super strong and, and stuff. But uh, I don't think any of our team, just from the that I've talked to, I don't think any of them think that this is going to be a bad year. I think every single one of them, Really, they're 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 looking at like, hey, we can win every game, and that's what we're shooting for. And you know, people who aren't on board, they need to get on board. Yeah, that's the message that I've received as well, Dan. Especially talking to the three that were at media days last week. That is the message that I received from them. Was there is no doubt in their minds of whether they're going to be able to win football games. It's not a question of can we win. I think in their minds, it's how many are we going to win and how can we make ourselves better to win some football games this year? They know, if anybody knows how last season ended and how they don't want to do that again, it's the players on this roster right now. They know and they are disappointed with how last season ended and they are very confident in what this season will bring. So, Dan, you're absolutely right. They have no worry in what it seems to me and how they are speaking. They're very confident about this upcoming season. Yeah, and just if, if history stays the way it normally is at Auburn, it's like we always do good when everybody thinks we're going to be bad, and, and we do really we don't do well when we're picked to be number one. So yeah, you're right you about know. that. So I'm okay if if they want to pick Auburn to be seventh in the West and only have four wins this season, that is fine by me because you're absolutely right. History is on Auburn's side in that situation. Dan, I appreciate the call, man. That was Dan here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You can call in, be on the line as well. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. He talked about Colby Wooden and some of the other players just looking bigger than when they first showed up, muscular-wise, when they showed up to Auburn. I think he's right. There's no doubt that a lot of the players have gotten bigger, faster, and stronger than they were when they first showed up. And obviously you want that to happen at a, at a, a Division One SEC school. But even the players that played with Malzahn and now playing for Harson, I think some of them, uh, they just these guys in general just look better in shape and they look muscular, more muscular than what they used to. And I think a big, big part of it is accountability. I talked about that with some of the players last week. I talked about that with some of the former players last week at SEC Media Days, and that's the word that really keeps getting thrown around is accountability. When you have 6 a.m. workouts and you have 6 a.m. lifts in the weight room, players are expected to be there. And sure, you would think that was the case with every college football team around the country, 
But I don't know if that was an expectation for players under Gus Malzahn. I just don't think that was the case, especially towards the end. I don't think it was, if you don't show up, you're not going to play on Saturday. I don't think that was the mentality anymore. I think it was, hey, we have a 6 a.m. workout. We need you to be here. But if you don't show up, it's probably okay. And when they didn't show up, they didn't get in trouble. And they didn't get held accountable. And they didn't get punished for not showing up and putting in the time and putting in the work and putting in the effort. That was happening under the last coaching regime. That's just what was happening. It's a fact. But now with Brian Harson as the head coach and new assistant coaches on the planes, 6 a.m. workout means a 6 a.m. workout. You show up or you don't play. You show up or you're not on my team. And that's how it should be. You want to know who runs their program like that? Look across the state. That's how winning programs are made. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. Players like Colby Wooden, they are bigger now than what they were when they first showed up. And I think because these guys not only are being made, and I don't want to say forced, but they kind of are, to be at these workouts and put in the work, but now that they're here and they're in it, everybody on this roster, not only are they being forced to do it, They want to do it. They want to be there and be better and make themselves faster and make themselves stronger and make themselves more physically ready for the SEC. They want it, and they want to do it together, and they want to do it for their head coach. And the thing that stood out to me, I talked about this on Friday, the players told me at Media Days when Brian Harson asks them to do something physically, whether it's doing more reps, or if it's running the stairs, or if it's putting on a vest while you do it, a weighted vest, or whatever it may be, hill climbs, whatever it may be. They said when he asks the players to do more, he jumps in and does it himself, Brian Harson does. I mean, how could you not want to play for a guy like that? How could you not respect a guy like that? Wouldn't somebody who was your boss, or your coach, or your advisor, or your peer, whoever it may be, If they were leading you, but they joined you in the battle to be better, doesn't that want to make you be better? That makes me be better. I mean, I'm telling you what. If my coach tells me, hey, we're doing, I don't know, we're doing sprints all morning. We're doing sprints, 100-meter sprints all day. But he's right there beside me? That makes me want to be better. And so, Dan, I appreciate the call, and you're absolutely right. I think the players for Auburn – They're going to be conditioned the right way, and they're going to be able to compete in the SEC. Hey, we've got more headlines. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. We'll come back and talk a lot more about some more making headlines. Dan, I appreciate the call. Anybody else that wants to call in, be a part of the show, you can call in to be on the line, 334-321-1390. More of making headlines when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Continuing on with making headlines here on the Monday edition of On the Line, July 25th, 2022. Before we do that, question of the day to you is this. Will Tank Bigsby from Auburn 
be the best running back in the country this season in college football. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Can Tank Bigsby be the best running back in college football this upcoming season? That is the question of the day. I talked about it back in hour number one. I'll hint at it here in hour number two as well. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. But moving on here and making headlines as we didn't get quite finished in that first segment. We have some more headlines to go over. The Braves, the Atlanta Braves, are rocking and rolling here in the month of July. They have yet to lose back-to-back games. They have only lost one series the entire month. And their last two series of this month are winnable for the Atlanta Braves. They have done really, really well and done exactly what I said they needed to do. Stay consistent. Play good baseball, avoid losing streaks, and beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. That's so important in the game of baseball. When you go on losing streaks, it's hard to make up ground. When you don't beat the teams and in the series that you're supposed to win, then that makes the ones against the tougher opponents, it makes them that much harder, right? When you look at the Atlanta Braves, for example, they have a lot of games coming up against the New York Mets. The Mets are a very good baseball team, and it's a tough series for the Braves every time they play them. And so winning the series that you play against Washington and play against Cincinnati, when you have those types of series on your schedule, you have to win those. Take advantage of the weaker opponents. And in the month of July, the Braves have done just that. They have won every single series besides one. They lost to the New York Mets, and they lost that series 2-1. to one. But everything else, they've won the series. And with two of them left, they have a three-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they play the Arizona Diamondbacks at home. I mean, in my opinion, the Braves should be able to win four out of six of those games. Easily. Easily. The Braves should win four out of six. You do that, you have a very successful July. And you move in to the month of August That's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. I talked about this a little bit as we wrapped up hour number one. But you start off August with two games against the Phillies, five games on the road at the New York Mets, two games on the road at Boston, four games on the road at Miami, and then you come home and play a four-game series against the Mets and a three-game series against the Astros. I mean, just an unbelievable start. Uh, A three-week stretch for the Braves that can make or break the season. And you look at the standings right now, the Braves are still one and a half games back of the New York Mets, but in the first three weeks of August, you play them eight times. How big are those games going to be for the Atlanta Braves? So not only do you have to win the games that you're supposed to win, you have to win the games in your division as well. And I think the Braves can do it as long as they continue to do what they've been doing They're going to be just fine. But right now, you have two series against the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. you got to take care of business. Don't go on a a, a bad stretch here to end the month before you get into a really, really, really tough stretch to begin the month of August. The Atlanta Braves doing just fine. As of right now, they sit at 58 and 39, one and a half games back of the New York Mets. Moving on in making headlines, the Kevin Durant fiasco going on around the NBA is still to be solved. He is still on the trading block as of right now. No teams have been able to come to a deal with the New York 
or excuse me, with the Brooklyn Nets, but a team has made an offer. The Boston Celtics, my, uh, my team, the Boston Celtics have made an offer that it would include Jalen Brown and a bunch of future picks, especially a lot of first round picks for Kevin Durant. And look, I'm going to be honest. As a basketball fan, and especially as a Boston Celtics fan, I don't want this deal to happen. I don't. I don't want this deal to happen, and here's why. I like Jalen Brown, okay? I'm not just, like, fully dedicated to Jalen Brown and, like, if he, if he leaves, I'm done as a fan. No, I'm not doing that. I like Jalen Brown a lot, but here's what I don't want to do. I don't want the Celtics to trade away five to six years of their future for Kevin Durant because in the long run, I don't think it's going to work out, and here's why. Kevin Durant, the only time he has actually won was when he joined a super team. He joined the Golden State Warriors to win a couple of titles, and then he left. He didn't do anything before, and he hasn't done anything since. And sure, there's a lot of talent on the Boston Celtics, and if you were to pair up Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, they might be able to win a championship together, but I don't know if that's a guarantee. They just had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden on the same team, and they couldn't even get 20 games together. So I don't like Kevin Durant on my team. I just feel like it's toxic. And I think the Celtics have a good enough young core that can share the basketball where they don't need a guy like Kevin Durant to come in and be a ball hog. That's what he is. To use a a very middle school playground term, he's a ball hog. But he's so good that he has to have the ball in his hand, so I get it. But I just don't think Boston is the place for him. Now, there's no news or rumors or reports that Boston is any more ahead of any other team that's made an offer, but that is the news that came out was the Celtics have made an offer. And Jalen Brown and a lot of future picks were in that for Kevin Durant. We'll see where he goes. He may not even get traded. If the Nets, I mean, they're, they're looking for a whole franchise for this guy, and they have not been able to, to come to a deal. He may not even get traded. He may be playing in Brooklyn next season. We'll find out. Moving on and making headlines, we got a couple more here before we uh, head to the break in about a minute or so. David Ortiz of the Boston Red Sox. Of course, I am a, uh, I'm a Red Sox fan along with the Braves. I've been a Red Sox fan since I was four years old, folks. I have loved watching Big Poppy and the Red Sox. He was officially inducted into the, into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, just unbelievable. He in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Big Poppy, David Ortiz, uh, what a historic career, right? He was uh, so, so good. He played for Boston and just really was a standing uh, representation of the city of Boston. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame, so big congratulations to him. Well-deserved, had so many big-time moments uh, in Red Sox history in regular season, postseason, World Series, just a fantastic guy. Big Poppy David Ortiz has been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He deserved it. I loved watching him play. He was one of my favorite players growing up, playing for my favorite team. And I think everybody likes him except Yankees fans. It's kind of like it's kind of like A-Rod or Derek Jeter. Everybody likes him except Red Sox fans. That's how it is with David Ortiz. But congratulations being inducted into the Hall of Fame. We got 30 more minutes here in hour number two. Stay tuned. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network coming up. You are on the line. 
Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Welcoming in another Jacob, that is Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. We didn't have a chance to talk to him last week. Of course, we were at SEC Media Days, but he is back in his usual Monday time slot. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. How's it going, man? I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on the line with you, Jacob. I know you had a great week in Atlanta last week. Uh, I, I guess that was your first SEC media days? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was my first media days. And I look, I think I knocked it out of the park, man. I, I would say so. You got a few <laughs> TV appearances on Yeah, there, so. yeah, I did, yeah. Not bad. Yeah, not too bad. But we got Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. We've got a lot to go over, so let's jump right into it. Speaking of SEC Media Days, before we get into Auburn specifically, what were some of the things that you heard from the coaches and players from around the Southeastern Conference outside of Auburn uh, last week at SEC Media Days that really um, caught your ear? Well, I thought it was funny, you know, listening to Jimbo Fisher talk really, really fast and maybe a little bit too fast uh, as he was up there on the main stage. And, you know, obviously he went in with the expectation of of he was going to face some tough questions and and I think he did a good job of just tempering everything. Of course, it's been a minute since he and Nick Saban had their fiasco, but and they were punished by the SEC. Obviously, they they released that statement the day after everything happened, and I, I thought that uh, his his response was 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 fine. He did a good job at going in there and just being confident. Uh, also, I thought Mike Leach and and Lane Kiffin were relatively tame uh, this year, and you know usually you expect them to go out there and have a lot of fun and. Obviously, Lane Kiffin's first uh, answer was was a pretty fun one. But uh, other than that, I thought they were pretty tame, and, and they, they they had a good time up there. But it, it was overall a, a tame SEC media days to me. Uh, no players really uh, shocked anyone or, or made made too big of a deal out of something. So I, I thought it was overall a, a good SEC media days, and nothing too negative came out of it. And now we can talk about Auburn and what we saw and heard from Brian Harson and the players on Thursday. Of course, it was Tank Bigsby, John Samuel Shanker, and Derek Hall, who Brian Harson uh, took to SEC Media Days last week. Let's start with the players, and then we'll get into Harson. The comments from Tank Bigsby, John Samuel Shanker, and Derek Hall when they were at SEC Media Days, what did you hear from them last week uh, on Thursday? It feels like a confident group. Uh, I'll speak with the offensive side at first, and you know, uh, Shanker seems like he, he likes Eric Keesaw as uh, the offensive coordinator this year and that things are starting to come together uh, from an offensive standpoint with uh, him and Harson having uh, a pass together and, and really knowing what to expect from each other. Uh, Tank Bigsby, obviously, uh, he had some pretty funny comments, especially about Coach Harson working out with them uh, when they're running stadiums, you know. Uh, the, the, the quote about, you know, you see him doing that, I want to do that when I'm about his age and I, I think it's interesting to see uh, the players talk about their coaches and be personable with them. Uh, it shows that they're relating to them and and really just, uh, I guess, being like I said, just being personable. And that's a little bit different than what Coach Harson uh, came into. Is obviously that was during the COVID season, following that, and they were still in mask and having to uh, social distance during meetings. Now, obviously, uh, things have changed a little bit. Now the environment's different with vaccinations and and things of that sort. So now it feels like this team is able to kind of bond together. And Coach Harson, he said they're able to really uh, uh, establish the uh, precedent they're going to set this year. 
As far as Derek Hall, I really thought it was cool for him just to talk about Jordan-Hare Stadium. It seems like that was a big topic for not just Auburn, but uh, several other players were asked. I believe it was a Georgia player that was asked about it said, you better be ready to play football when you go to Jordan-Hare. So uh, I thought it was interesting uh, for Derek Hall to really dive into that. Of course, he would go to the basketball game, stand at the jungle, and, and cheer on those guys as uh, the basketball team would do for them during football season. So that was really cool to hear from him and uh, – talk about that and just hear about Jordan Harris Stadium and how electric it is uh, throughout the season. Jacob, we had a caller earlier today talking about how the confidence of the players with this upcoming season of it's not that they're even worried about the season. They And you mentioned it as well. They seem really confident about the upcoming season. It's not if they're going to win games, it's how many, right? Right. And I think that part of that is the changes that were made. You know, you, you had the falter at the end of the season, you lose them. Uh, uh, five straight games to end it and now you make some changes and they probably feel like that was for the best you got your feet wet you had a chance in November to do something big but just just a few plays here and there make the difference between you know a nine and three team and and the six and seven team that Auburn became so I really think that those kind of things make them confident they know we are just a few plays away from being really really good and contending in the SEC West and when you start with five home games the way you do this season there's no reason not to be confident you're going to be comfortable uh, before you head to Georgia uh, in October and you really want to really start off on the right foot you start high and then you never know what can happen and I think that's what uh, these players are really thinking and want to come out firing. Of course, you also start off with uh, two non-conference games, so you'll really know by that Penn State game what you're going to see throughout the season. Speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, let's talk about Brian Harson and what he had to say at the main podium in the other side rooms at SEC Media Days last week on Thursday. He came out and established dominance and took control early of SEC Media Days. It's weird to say it like that, but that's exactly what happened. Why do you think he had to come out and do that immediately, 9 a.m., first, uh, first speaker on the podium? I think it's like he said, you know, the, he said they probably didn't expect him to be there. So, of course, you're going to come out. And you want to make a statement and uh, really just be dominant and, and confident. And I think that's what Coach Harson showed was how confident he was uh, at the podium. Now, of course, that that's not what matters most, but it is a, it, it's the step that he has to take uh, to really show the media what is going through his mind and what's what's happening in his program. Because obviously, with what what everything that happened, the media is just does not know at all. So it was really good for him to go up there and be confident and, and really just uh, uh, take, it by, take it by the reins. That's really what he did. He, he answered each and every question uh, the right way and, and really gave a good look into the program at how it is this summer. So I really liked uh, the way he did that and not really, not really shying away from from anything you know it, it's one thing because what he said was he learned from the past so now it's about moving forward and and focusing on the present and i think that's what's most important and who, who knows maybe that's something that you know you had to deal with in november you're thinking about wow what what a start to my first year it was and you focus on that and then you lose to texas a&m and then that's when things spiral out of control so that's something that you can take to the football field focus on the present it's one play at a time and i i think that's what um, you know, Coach Harson's motto last year was "want to know," and it still is. So, uh, I think he's taking that to another level uh, this year. Instead of you know just simply taking it one day at a time, now it's more one play at a time. 
Hillman, I had the opportunity to ask Brian Harson a couple of questions one-on-one during his time on Radio Row, and I asked him the question, I said, what do you say to the doubters of you and this Auburn football program right now? And he had a very simple answer. He said, watch us. What'd you make of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the same thing. It's just confident. It doesn't really matter what the media thinks. You're going to give, obviously, the best look into your program possible without giving too much away, and I think that's what he did. Uh, last week, last Thursday, and really it's just something that you're going to be doubted. The way Auburn finished last season, of course, there's going to be doubts. You lose your quarterback, uh, you lose a defensive leader like Jacoby McClain, and, and you're really in a spot where you're going to be doubted because of what you lost, but what you made changes to, you got to be confident in that, and as you said, that's the best thing you can do is just watch because it doesn't matter what is said or or, or what anyone thinks, all that matters is the product you put on the field and, and how you carry yourself throughout the season. Speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, let's talk some basketball here for a minute. Bruce Pearl held a press conference today. He also had Jay Billis from ESPN join him on the press conference, and they were previewing the summer trip that Auburn basketball is going to be making overseas. He talked about the games and the opponents they're going to be playing. What do you think that trip means for Auburn basketball and the players this summer? Well, it, it, it means a ton because you're, one, you're just going to a new place. Obviously, every four years you're allowed to do the international trip. And doing it like this is, is a really cool way. And this is probably going to be one of the first times that, obviously, it'll be Auburn and then Kentucky later in the month that have their international trips and games televised. And that's a big deal just to have Auburn basketball here in August. I mean, that that is awesome. And, you know, something he talked about was – having different lineups in each game. And that's because it's August. You don't know what's going to happen. So just getting a sneak peek at things that we're able to see, uh, I I just love that. And it makes it a lot of fun and to be excited about Auburn basketball this early because, you know, about 10 years ago, it wasn't like this. So it's, it's really good to see that. And obviously some of the, some of the teams you're playing, that's going to be impressive. And, I really think that uh, you're going to see Auburn tested, maybe even lose a game or two over in Israel because, obviously, these guys have practice so much together. Uh, for example, though, um, the Wizards' small forward, Denai Avdija, uh, he, he's a lottery pick for the Wizards, and he's from Israel. He's going to be playing for the national team when Auburn plays them uh, in the finale of that three-game series. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, what Israel brings, uh, the three different teams that Auburn plays, and and how Auburn really, I guess how Coach Pearl makes these lineups work, because it's going to be different with the different new guys that are in. Uh, Obviously, you'll have Wendell Green and KD Johnson starting a bunch, but past that, who knows what kind of lineups he could throw at us. Well, the things that stood out to me in his press conference today from Bruce Pearl, he talked about the talent that they're going to be playing, and he said, look, sometimes when you take these international trips and you play these, these other teams from around the country, He said, sometimes the talent's just not there, but that's not going to be the case in Israel. I'm glad you brought it up. They're playing some NBA-level talent over there, Mm -hmm. and like you said, this team has not practiced a ton together, so it'll be a great way for them to kind of mesh. And also, they'll be playing in a four-quarter system with a 24-second shot clock, so they're going to have some things to work on and adjust and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. Well, I I didn't catch that earlier today, so that's going to be interesting to see how they play with, like you said, is basically just an NBA style of game with a 24-second shot clock. And for, I guess, four quarters, that doesn't really impact much. You just have two extra breaks. And 
I think the shot clock will be interesting. I felt like last year Auburn uh, sometimes would work in trans. I, I feel like it was more, you know, when chaos happened, Auburn would work really fast. But other than that, it felt like content with using the shot clock. So I'll be interested to see how uh, maybe that changes uh, next next two weeks. Speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about it yet. There's been a lot going on, but Auburn baseball uh, was very successful in the MLB draft. We saw quite a few guys get taken off the board in in what is a very, very long MLB draft. But talk about some of the players that were drafted for Auburn and what you expect to see from them in in their professional careers. Yeah, starting with the highest drafted guy, Blake Burkhalter, to the Braves, which I'm very happy about as a Braves fan. It, it, it's really cool to see him get that opportunity as, you know, in his freshman and sophomore years, it didn't seem like he was going to uh, have a chance to go pro after his junior year, but obviously last year he was so dominant, and I think he's going to have a chance to make a quick jump to the pros. I mean, maybe not in the next year, but, you know, a much quicker route than many would have to take. Uh, he's just got such a dominant uh, cutter that it's really a good pitch that works in um, – in the big leagues, uh, Kenley Jansen, a, a relief pitcher for the Braves right now, sometimes closes. He works the same cutter, and I think those two guys working together could be a big deal. And uh, Jansen's experienced and really good, so Burkhalter could learn a lot from him. Uh, but to keep on going down, there's a lot of guys that got drafted. Obviously, uh, later, Blake Rambush and Bernie Moore, they're both going pro, even though they were uh, drafted on the third and final day. I think it'll be interesting to see how Rambush uh, takes on his career. Uh, and then, obviously, day two, I think the two pitchers taken with Bright and Barnett, that's a big deal. Uh, Barnett is just – he has the pitches. He has the arsenal that can make it to the big leagues. Trace Bright, he's got the frame, six foot four, about 200 pounds. That's what you want to see. And, obviously, he can put on a little bit of weight. And uh, he's already throwing it hard, but I think he can throw it uh, even harder. So, Tony share going to the Angels – that's going to be fun to watch. I think he's going straight to Huntsville for uh, in double-A ball. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And then uh, and, and then two other guys taking Carson Skipper, Hayden Mullins, lefties. Uh, Mullins coming off the injury. It'll be interesting to see how he rehabs and is able to go into uh, the minor leagues. And Carson Skipper, he's just one of those guys that I think he could fit in a multitude of roles uh, in, in his professional career, whether that's a closer, long relief, or, or even kind of an opener type feel. So, I'm looking forward to see how everyone uh, makes their way into uh, professional baseball. Well, Hillman, we've seen it on the basketball side of things with Bruce Pearl and the assistant coaches, but now we're seeing it in baseball. What has Butch Thompson been able to do at Auburn with his players that make them so good and make them able to go and play professional baseball? Well, I do think that one of one of the interesting things about this draft is that I'm pretty sure every guy is going pro They're, none of them are returning and we've seen previous years where guys will get drafted and then come back that's not the case this year every single one of these guys feels ready to go and play professional baseball and like you said I think that does speak to, to what coach Thompson has built here at Auburn uh first few years you know we, we've seen the gradual build up from making it to a regional winning a regional going to the cultural series by winning a super regional then you finally win a game in Omaha and I think that's the same thing with individual players. You see a few guys, you know, back at the beginning of his tenure, like Anthony Greer, Josh Anthony, those guys were good and uh, made ways in minor league baseball. And then now you're seeing a ton of guys. I think Auburn was in the top five of most drafted players, which that's a big deal uh, in this baseball landscape because you had, you had teams like uh, like Oklahoma have 11 draft picks. Texas is right behind them, and both those teams are coming to the SEC soon. And Auburn was – 
uh, right up there with them. So I, I, I'm really happy with the way this thing – because sometimes it, it's sad to see these guys go, you know you'll have to replace them next year, but uh, having this many guys drafted is a big deal for this program and for Coach Thompson to show, listen, you can make the jump from Auburn to the pros. And that's what's so important in recruiting. You can go and step in the house and say, you can play at Auburn and then you can be drafted. Look at the list of the guys that we have sent to the pros. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and and dropping by like you do on Mondays. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, my man. Yeah, Follow me on Twitter at JacobHillmanAU. Looking forward to you back and on the line next week and and then leading into football season. We are so close, my friend, 40 days away from Auburn football, (laughs) and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about with us with fall camp starting up in just a few weeks. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Jacob. War Eagle. War Eagle to you as well. That's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up with Final Take. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network joining me here on the Monday edition of On the Line, talking Auburn football, wrapping up SEC Media Days, what he heard and saw from Brian Harson and the players last week, talking a little Auburn basketball as Bruce Pearl held a press conference today talking about their upcoming trip to Israel in August. And then, of course, Auburn baseball having players drafted and talking about just their success at Auburn, what we expect to see from them in the pros, and what Butch Thompson has done with the Tigers program to make players so successful and, and make Auburn a place that players can come and, and be a stepping stone to go to the MLB. So big thank you to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Uh, let's see Mondays, we normally have Joey Blackwell from Bama Central. He is out of town, so that's why we did not have him back in hour number one. He will be joining us again next week uh, on Mondays, as he normally does. But if you missed any of the show today, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It's been a great show today talking about the expectations for Auburn football and the predictions and why they are just all over the place, anywhere from three to four wins to nine to ten wins. We talked about why that is and what we should be thinking coming into this season. I played my interview with Roger McCreary from SEC Media Days as he officially signed his deal with the Tennessee Titans four years uh, for nine million dollars. We had making headlines. We had a lot to go over in that segment. And then, like I said, we just got off the phone with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn sports network so again if you missed any of today's show make sure you go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast well look final take today is this even though the predictions for Auburn football may be a a very wide range on the spectrum anywhere from three wins to ten wins here's one thing that I can guarantee to you right now the players are confident the coaches are confident And they're doing everything they can to be better this year than they were last year. They're looking back on last year and they're looking at the mistakes and they're not saying, well, that sucked. Maybe we shouldn't do that. No, they're looking at the mistakes and saying, how can we fix it and be better? And you know what? I think they will be better. And so three to four wins isn't going to happen, but maybe not nine or 10 either. 
That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.